through this incredible snow event. Uh, this is one of those perception is different than reality, huh? Um, and we see all of you that are sitting at home in your PJs by watching the live stream. We know who you are. Speaking of which, um, since a lot of people are <laughs> at home today or already traveling, um, for those of you that uh, call this your church, that sanctuary is home for you, uh, I simply want to remind you and encourage you to um, just continue to lean into your giving. Um, our finance team is already breaking into a cold sweat uh, because we have Christmas is on Christmas Day, um, Christmas Eve is that night before. What a, you said Christmas on Christmas Day. Yeah, Christmas Day. is on Christmas yeah. Day, isn't that It's surprising? a wild new thing we're doing. <laughs> Christmas is on Sunday. Um, new Year's Day is on Sunday. And so we know people are going to be all kinds of different places. And so um, we uh, are just continuing to march on and just need everybody to do their part. Again, whether you're with us or at a distance, um, just continue to pray and ask how you might be able to give. Well, the, we're about a week away here. We are entering into our last week of Advent, and most of you, most all of us are going to spend time with family, that we have more time with them in the next few days than we have all year, and possibly some of you in years. And now for some of you, that is the Christmas holidays, it's just simply a delight. Like all of our children, I'm sure, coming to stay with us is going to be incredibly awesome every moment for every one of them. And so if you're just delighted about everything that you're going to anticipate the next week or two, um, you're just highly blessed and favored, um, and just enjoy that. Uh, But for most of us, we're going to have um, some some challenges. Uh, We're going to interact with people that are just really, really important. We have a lot of emotional ties to um, but sometimes there's some stickiness to it. And so um, sociologist Martha Beck likened this to the Uncle Remus story in the Tar Baby. Any of you remember that story? Um, Br'er, Rabbit, Br'er Rabbit is walking along a path and comes up to this life-size doll made out of tar and turpentine. Um, and he reaches out and jabs it, and his hand gets stuck in it. And then trying to get that hand out, he pushes against it with his other hand, and he gets that hand stuck. And then he starts pushing his feet against it um, to try to pull away, and he gets stuck with two feet, and then in his very last-ditch effort, he headbutts it um, and ends up in the final scene totally in a mess. It's a little bit what family stickiness um, um, can involve. And so you're prepared, you're doing great going into the family gathering, Uh, You've prepared your mind and your soul, and 15 minutes into it, your assertiveness training all flies out the window the minute your brother goes into his political tirade um, or has to butt in front, be the first one in the line in front of all the women and children like he always does, and let's not even talk about how he cheats at Monopoly. Or we're just having a peaceful dinner, and your sister is just kind of sighing because she's out of work again. And so all of your codependency stuff flares up, and before the end of the dinner, you feel like you need to give her your car for the second time. (laughs) It's so easy to get stuck in sticky situations in these family dynamics. So most of us need a little preparation. And so before you go... Um, over the river and through the woods, 
Um, we're going to encourage you to consider a few things. What, what, is, what does it mean to engage with our family um, in light of the Christian story? How do we prepare ourselves? How do we go into this season, season uh, to be a blessing to others and not get stuck uh, with the tar baby? I'm so thankful that Jesus had some stickiness in his family as well, that it's not just us. Let's take a look at Mark 20. It says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone to call him. A crowd was standing around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. It seems like, at least on the surface here, People are being disrespected, and they are being disrespectful. It looks like, and it actually is, that Jesus' family is calling him crazy. And he he is actually, it appears, distancing himself from his family. It appears that he is cutting himself off from his family. Now, Jesus is doing some very important things here, and there's some things that we need to learn from some of this. He was never shy about challenging the symbols of the Jewish faith. Um, In the Jewish culture, people all lived close together. And most of the time, they had a family business. And everybody, all generations, worked together in the family business. So the belief at that time was really family represented the children of Israel, which were the people of God. And so being with family really involved being a part of God's system for life and for the world. N.T. Wright says it this way. Jesus, talking about what he is saying here, Jesus slices through the whole traditional structure in one clean cut. He has a different vocation, a different mission, and it involves breaking hallowed family ties. God is doing the unthinkable. He is starting a new family, a new holy people, and is doing so without regard for ordinary family bonds. So the couple of things Jesus is doing, first of all, um, kind of showing us what it means to be Christian. The first thing he's doing is he's uh, pointing us towards that our life in God, our following God, our listening to, the, to um, the word of Jesus, to listening to the Spirit in our life, that that's the most important thing we can be engaged in. And others are not going to understand that. And you might even be ridiculed for it or made fun of for it. But it's the most important thing in our life. And secondly, he's differentiating himself. He's saying to his family simply, you are you and I am me. And simply that's okay. It uh, doesn't mean that he, he didn't, never stopped loving his family. He simply said we're different. We're on a different path. We're on a different course. Um, you're going to think a certain way. I'm going to, I have a certain calling to, to live my life out in. And that's okay. Most of us would have freaked out in these kind of situations. We would have been embarrassed by this. We would have run out and talked to our family and tried to get them to understand what we're doing. Um, Certainly, in all families, one of them would have come in and said to Jesus, you're embarrassing the family. Just quit it. Can't you just be normal here? Um, I've always uh, been impacted recently by 
Henry Nouwen's uh, statement about how it is that Jesus was able to engage with people, to love people, to challenge them, to um, continue to, to love them regardless of how they were responding to him. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful um, paragraph here. It says, because Jesus was not dependent on people, but only on God, that he could be so close to people, concerned, so confronting, so healing, so caring, he related to people for their own sake, not his own. To, to say it in more psychological terms, he paid attention without intention. His question was not, how can I receive satisfaction, but how can I respond to your real need? This is possible only when there is a deeper satisfaction, a deeper intimacy from whence attention can be paid. Your love for others can be unconditional without a condition that your needs are gratified when you have the experience of being loved. Sometimes with our family of origin, there's an awkwardness when we all get together. There's a tension because we're different. And sometimes we feel guilty because it's like, oh, I don't fit in with them. Should I be more like them? No, they should be more like me. And we struggle with that conflict of differentness. God created each one of us to be individuals. We all have different calls on our lives. We all have different life experiences. We don't have to all be the same. But it's accepting that fact that we're going to be different, and that's okay. So we're going to look at five different things to help this Advent season really be about celebrating new life, about really enjoying what God has done for us and not getting stuck in the tar baby of some of our old family relationships and some of our own preconceived ideas about ourselves and about them. So the first one is simply give up hope. Did I say that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> In this season of hope and wonder, I'm telling you to give up hope. I'm suggesting give up hope that they're ever going to change. It's not going to happen. You all familiar with the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. If we're honest with ourselves going into the holidays, most of us would pray this prayer. God, grant me the ability to change the things I cannot accept. <laughs> it's it's, um, it's going to be impossible to, to um, make change happen in others. And that is a bit maddening because we love control. We like to control our environment. We, we like to control who we connect with. And yet we're in these times and moments where these people that are really important to us that have had huge influences in our life, we're going to be around a lot. So we have to give up hope that, think that they're going to change. Most of us go into it thinking with this high expectation, they're going to be different this year. Just give it up. Um, it's not going to happen. So we're going to talk about some practical tips that can help actually walk that out. How do we actually prepare ourselves so we don't jab the tar baby? Um, and that we can live at peace in this. Remember and say it to yourself over and over again. You can't change or fix them. You can't change anybody but you. You may see things in your family and you desperately want to point them out. It's like, oh, but they just need to know this. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. And you are not the Holy Spirit. 
In fact, we're not very good at being the Holy Spirit. So we need to step back from that. You aren't responsible for them. And that's hard because you see people around you that are hurting and they're people that you love and you see them making stupid decisions and it's like, but I have to do this. I have to help them. I have to be responsible. And then you go in and you're like, if I only see them once a year, if I don't preach the gospel to them this weekend, they have no hope of getting saved. And so you struggle with that responsibility. Again, that is the job of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to love people unconditionally with our full heart. It's not to try to get them to do what we think they should do. Oftentimes when we go in with this, um, okay, I'm going to get everybody saved this weekend, we actually turn everyone off. And maybe years of doing that has turned them away. The Holy Spirit can work in and through their lives in all kinds of ways. He's always pursuing them. And they've got people on their jobs. They've got people all around them that can speak truth to them that they'll receive it from better than you. So let's let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit and step back and love our family unless you have a lightning bolt from God that this is what I'm supposed to do. You're not responsible for their happiness. When your relatives have made bad choices, it's easy to want to jump in and go, I can fix this. You can encourage them and you can love them, but you can't make someone happy. They have to uh, make some choices on their own. Our attempts to make people happy can lead us to enabling and actually prolongs the problem in their lives. Sometimes if we had let people suffer the consequences of some of their choices when they were younger, they wouldn't be in the situation that they're in right now. So we love them by detaching somewhat and allowing them to have some of the consequences of their actions. And for heaven's sakes, when you're together this weekend, and I literally do mean for heaven's sake, um, <laughs> don't try to debate things about the church that the church has been debating for thousands of years. No sprinkle or dunk conversations. Um, is speaking in tongues okay or not? Don't even go there. And, and I would say with politics, don't even go there. Even last year before things were as heated, we were with my family, and my brother started going, so what do you think about so-and-so? And we had all my kids around, and I said, we're not talking about it. And he goes, no, really, what do you think? Oh, really? We are not going there. We're not going there. And he goes, well, I think so-and-so. It's Larry, we are not talking politics. Done. And it was done. So do what you need to so you don't get caught up in those things that just cause pain and confusion. And you know what, guys? You talking about it around the Christmas table isn't going to fix the world. So it's really better to just keep the peace and enjoy the time with your family and love them for who they are. And another thing is we can love them without getting their approval. These are people that we desperately need their approval, way more than anybody else on the planet. But when, when they have not approved of certain things, whether, again, it's how you are, live your life as a Christian, how you parent, where you send your children to school, whatever it is, uh, it's probably not going to change over the holidays here. Uh, you can still love them. You can lean into them and love them 
uh, probably are not going to get that approval that you desire. And then the last one is just know, I mean, we all want to be so understood. Um, we all seem to think that if I can just keep talking and keep explaining myself, then eventually they're going to understand me. They're going to understand why I do what I do and where I came from, why I made these certain decisions, and we keep going and going and going, and I'm suggesting, no, they won't. They're never going to understand it. They're never going to live life from your perspective, and so just give it up. Just, just don't be relentless about trying to be understood. Um, it's not going to happen. And then the next thing we recommend is that you set good boundaries. Uh, boundaries are not a bad word. Boundaries help families, help all individuals be healthier. We have to choose to have good holidays by making good plans. Sometimes we, and, and particularly some of us who are mothers and grandmothers of grown kids, you think if you can just get everybody together in the same house, it's going to be great. So let's have all the kids and all of their kids, and we'll rent a cabin, and we'll all be together in the woods. Not so great. Because we've all lived apart from each other. We all have different habits. We all have different ideas. We all have different needs. And to put all of those people together and not expect them to set some boundaries and to make some choices for them is ridiculous. We have to let people set their own boundaries, and we have to set our own boundaries. I remember when our kids were little and we would drive to see family a long ways away, oftentimes we would get there and the family had planned the whole time we were there. So it was like, we're going to go to the museum, and then we're going to go to a movie, and then we're going to go here. Well, I had a whole car full of little kids who had been in the car for 12 hours. So going to a movie and sitting still was not going to happen. Mine would be the one with the seat going, look, it goes up and down, it goes up and down. Um, and a museum, I would have them running through the halls. They were stir crazy at that point. Or sometimes things would be planned that would be too scary for our kids. It worked great for the kids that lived there, but it was too scary for ours. And so we had to learn to set boundaries and to say, you know what, guys, that's great if you want to do that. We're going to do the museum, but we're going to opt out of the movie. We're going to do this, but then we're going to go home and let our kids um, have a nap. Because oftentimes we get in those situations with our kids. Our kids are stressed out. They're in unfamiliar circumstances. They're with people they only see once a year. They have a meltdown, and then everybody's stressed and everybody's miserable. So it's making plans that work for you as a family. Or we encourage people, spend three nights at grandma's and go spend a night or two at a hotel. Just because you have seven days off work doesn't mean you have to spend all seven days with your family. Yes, I'm saying this even with grown children. Um, it's really okay to spend part of the time with the extended family and part of the time alone. You may need that refreshment. You may need time to reconnect as a couple, to have space as an individual, or to have time with your own kids. So it's okay to... Um, take that time off. We always say we'd rather you have three good days with us and drive away going, oh, I miss mom and dad, than to get in the car and go, oh, when do we have to go back here again? <laughs> so set your boundaries for what will work. Your, your extended family may not understand, but that's okay. We want to have peace and to have good relationships. And if you are grandparents or the parents of grown kids, 
be sensitive to their time off. This may be their only vacation. So if they want to go on a date night, let them do it. Give them the space to have time off. And be sensitive to things like the newlywed couple does not want to be sleeping on the sofa sleeper in the family room with everyone walking through. Um, and one more, a single should not be seated at the kids' table just because they're not married. Even if it makes your table awkward or you have to add a card table at the end, adult singles need to be with all of the other adults. <laughs> Another thing is to give yourself exit points. Um, you know, again, these are people that are very powerful in how they just look at you. Because um, there's lots of memories, lots of times there's unresolved issues that have gone on. And most of us can handle some of that for some time. But then there comes a time where we're about ready to jab the tar baby. Uh, we just are ready to react to something and we're going to get stuck in it and it's going to get a mess and it's not going to go well. And so give yourself exit strategies. Um, give yourself opportunity to be able to get away. That might mean spend a little extra money and getting a rental car so you actually can actually leave. Um, take a Starbucks run or it's okay to go take a nap or read a book right in the middle of some family holidays. It's okay. It Our may... kids take a lot of Starbucks runs. I'm not <laughs> sure what that means, yes. but they do. Um, and so, and then the, and the other part of this is have some kind of particularly with a, a family and married couples, have some secret signals um, I was really bad at this when we first got married, and Janice was trying to get my attention across the room, trying to tell me that something happened, and somebody said something to somebody, and it's not going well, and she's like, I need a break or whatever, and I'd go, what? You know, <laughs> right in the middle of the room, you know, and so I learned quickly um, after that 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 was not workable, and so we came up with some secret signals, and um, you know, if we touched our nose, that meant, you know, in about the next 10 to 15 minutes, we need to go. We need to take a break, you know, we need to take a walk or go to Starbucks or something. I'll explain it to you later. And I knew exactly what that meant, and we dismissed ourselves and whatever. And um, an, ear, an ear pull meant if I don't leave in the next five seconds, I'm going to kill somebody. Um, and so we got to move faster. Me? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, also, it's... Uh, it's okay to prepare some answers ahead of time. Some of you are going into situations. You've gone through some difficult things. And people, your family loves you. They want best for you. But they don't, they ask questions that are hurt, hurtful or, dis, or uncomfortable or, or difficult. Um, so why is Johnny not going back to college? Um, or, you know, um, so did you, are you, do you not, you just not want to have children, um, or why did you get a divorce, or whatever, and, and just, it's okay to prepare some things ahead of time, you know, and simply, well, thank you for your, you know, I appreciate that, pray for us, um, and, uh, and you don't have to go any farther if they keep pushing, you know, I'm, thank you, thanks for praying for me, and I'm just not really comfortable talking about that, they keep going, well, th thank you for your prayers, I appreciate that, um, not really comfortable talking about that, you keep doing that for a while, it, the, 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 the most relentless of people will give up. Um, you have the right. You don't have to fill everybody in on every little detail. Um, you have the right. That's a boundary. You have the right to, to, it's your life. You have the right to share what you're comfortable with. And, and um, it, it may feel like they are grilling you and you're on trial. It certainly may feel like that. Um, 
But oftentimes it's just they're simply interested and they do care. But sometimes that care um, causes us to want to jab the tar baby, and it's uh, not helpful. And I encourage people, be sensitive. If you have a family member that's going through a tough time and you have that aunt that always wants to know every detail and they're uncomfortable, try to run interference. Help in that. If they're getting cornered with Aunt Mabel over here and she's asking them questions and you can tell they're miserable, hey, could you help with mashed potatoes? I really need you in the kitchen. Just to help them feel more at peace during the holiday season. The next thing we recommend is that you lose control. That doesn't involve screaming. That's why Brent and I have the ear signal. Um, but you're in the middle of Christmas dinner, and you have that piece of pecan pie that you've been waiting for. And you put a little sliver of pumpkin right on the side. And you're just about to take a bite, and your mother leans over and says, Honey, have you tried Weight Watchers? <laughs> With those few words, you simultaneously see your self-esteem plunging to the depths of where you were in middle school. And at the same time, you have this anger rising up within you. And you find yourself saying, seriously, inside yourself. After years of therapy, all of the sermons on podcast, Bethmore Bible studies, stacks of self-help books, Renewed self-talk of, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> My worth is not based on a number on a scale. And all the talks you've had with your close friends, you think, seriously, those words have the power to unnerve me? You want to kick you want to go into the, how can I make my mother realize what I've learned to really appreciate me, to appreciate my beauty and my worth? You want to explain. You want to teach. You want to prove to her how wrong she is and how she should really see you and give you her approval. You're one step away from hitting the tar baby. So step back. You will get stuck. If you think you need mom's or anybody else's approval to be okay, you are going to let her issues rule you the rest of your life. Even if you could get her to say the right things, even if she would say the right words, you can't control her thoughts. You have to let it go. Other people's beliefs about you do not define who you are. You have to let it go. The only way to get unstuck from some of these patterns, these beliefs that people have about you, that you get caught into this swirl and go down the spiral, is to refuse to participate. When those thoughts come in, you say, you know what? I'm not going there. I'm not going to let my mind spiral into that. I'm going to love my mom. I'm going to accept her for who she is. But I know I can't change how she thinks. So I'm going to choose to not get caught up in the emotional storm that can come with that. Your family issues may be over, as Brent said, how you raise your kids, what kind of school you put them in, what your job is. Are you ever going to finish your degree? Other things like that that your family have, don't get caught up in them. You be you, you feel what you feel, you believe what you believe, and set your family free to do the same thing. We're really not going to change each other, but we do have the opportunity to just love each other and accept each other. 
The fourth thing uh, is become a participant observer. There's some social scientists that use this strategy that allows them to step into some group environments that they normally wouldn't uh, engage with because they're, they're simply going into report about a certain group and they're, they're observing, they're paying attention, they're actually, it's like they're going to write a report about it and share it with somebody. And so go into this family holiday um, as, a participant, as a participant observer um, that you're studying a certain tribe and you're going to make notes and you're going to share that with somebody um, after the event. Now, this is not to ridicule or make fun of your family. Um, the gospel reading that we heard just a few moments ago, uh, Joseph was doing everything he could to protect Mary in this difficult um, social kind of thing that was happening. And so he was kind of guarding. So love, love covers. And so we're certainly, uh, again, not using this in any negative way. And so who you share this with eventually uh, needs to be a person that you have a lot of confidence in, that loves you, that loves your family, that wants the best for everybody. They just understand that there's some dynamics that are going to be difficult, that are going to be sticky, and, and they get that. And so one, one of these is called um, the um, um, dysfunctional family bingo. And so think ahead about the things that you know are going to happen. Uh, you're going to get asked, again, a certain question, like some of the questions that we've talked about. Uh, um, I bet you voted for, or again, your brother goes into a tirade over something, or um, Uncle Henry shows up, and he's already been drinking too much, and you know the inappropriate things he's going to start saying. And so you actually sit a little bit of time ahead of time, and you take a piece of paper out. Now, you can do this formally and do it on a little card and little boxes if you've ever played bingo, um, and write down all the little things that you know they're going to happen. Because the idea here is these are going to happen. So let's not engage with them. Let's not hit, you know, jab the tar baby. Let's just recognize this is going to happen. And so we simply observe it. It helps you to dis, uh, distance yourself a bit so that you're not as emotionally engaged. And so going through the weekend, going through the day, the week, and when something happens, you just, now you can do this mentally or you can literally pull it out of your pocket and scratch it off and just see, what, see if you get bingo. Um, see if everything happens. Um, and actually by, by observing and and. and and thinking about the different kinds of things that you know are going to happen. Um, Janice and I have lists of these with some, some of our extended family. And we just simply look at each other and kind of wink, and that's our checking the box. <laughs> and that box got checked, and that box got checked. It keeps us, so the family that is going to show up three hours late for lunch and are going to be really mad at everybody if everybody starts eating, uh, they expect everybody to wait. Um, we know it's going to happen every time, and it does. We've been married almost 40 years. It's happened every time, and so we just look at each other and wink, and it just keeps us from engaging emotionally, jabbing the tar baby, um, and getting stuck in that process, and uh, it, it allows you to love them, um, and, uh, but stay emotionally disconnected, emotionally differentiated. So whether you play uh, dysfunctional family bingo or not, we do encourage you after you leave family to have somebody trusted that you can debrief with, that you can just say, hey, you know what? They were three hours late again this year. 
oh, and then they complained about this kind of food and this. But you can debrief a little bit and then stop and go, okay, what were some of the good things that came out of the holidays? And share with that person, but you know what? I got a really good chance to talk with this brother, and we did so-and-so. But get it out with a trusted friend so you can take a deep breath and then go, I'm going to enjoy all the good that God has in my life. I'm going to enjoy all of the positive things, and I'm not going to let myself get stuck in any of those old patterns. So preparing yourself to step into the family dynamics can really help you learn to love your family unconditionally. That and is always going to be three hours late, no matter what. You love them unconditionally, and then we get to be a light in the stress of the holidays and all of the things that are going on, and we don't get stuck in our own tar babies of dysfunction. And remember that everybody you encounter is going through their own issues, their own insecurity, their own private pain that causes them to react the way that they do. And so this is an opportunity for us to lean into that. I encourage you to pray for your family. Um, we pray extra before the holidays for those ones that just, just are, were so emotionally sensitive to that would cause reaction. We pray for them. We look for every opportunity you can to be a blessing um, to your family. Um, and realize that each of the people that we interact with are deeply loved children of God, whether they know it or not, whether they act like it or not. So a king has been born, saviors come into the world, new life has started at this experience of, of the birth of Christ, new life that has changed the world. And so we, are, we have this opportunity at Advent. Advent is simply looking for every moment, every opportunity for us to experience Christ in new ways um, that we have never had before. And that's not just going to be in the up times. It's also going to be in the challenges. Sometimes we experience him more deeply in those challenges. But remember, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Thanks for listening to this message from Sanctuary Church. If you're in the Tulsa area, we invite you to attend one of our weekend services on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10 a.m., or 11.30 a.m. If you would like more information about who we are and what we're about, or to partner financially with what God is doing through Sanctuary, you can go to our website at SanctuaryTulsa.com. You can also download our mobile app from the App Store and Google Play. We hope you'll join us next week. Grace and peace.